Well, you know, now that you say that, there was a little bit of shame in there also because, you know, we've spoken about this so often, my wife and I. You know, Sundays is sacred, you know, and, and it was just one little check of the phone that led to something else, to something else, to something else. You didn't make it sacred. Right? No, I didn't. I didn't. And I'm, maybe I'm not a good husband. Maybe any of that going. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Preble Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Hey, welcome everybody to another episode of Relationships. Let's talk about it. And I have a conversation today with a good friend and colleague, returning guest, Corey Costanzo. And in this episode, we have a conversation. We talk about the shame cycle trying to understand the shame cycle. We talk about things like the difference between shame and guilt, how sometimes anger really masks the shame. That's right, that what comes out as anger underneath it can be shame. And the vicious cycle of shame and depression, as well as the role of shame in addiction, and then countering shame with compassion. So let me tell you a little bit about Corey, if you haven't listened to, oh, maybe about a dozen podcasts that him and I have done in the past. Corey is a licensed massage and bodywork therapist and a trauma specialist. He is also a licensed addiction counselor and a somatic practitioner. He is the co-owner of Still Point Wellness, one of Asheville's premier spas that has saltwater flow tanks, Esalen Massage, and they are soon to open up their second location in Nashville. So if you want to learn more about Corey, you can go to the website stillpointwell.com. And before we get on to the episode, hey folks, how do you like my new cover art? I like it a lot. About a month or so ago, I put it out on the podcast that I was looking for somebody to collaborate on this project with me. I wanted it to be somebody who listens to the podcast to get a real good feel of what I do. And I wanted to have a good collaboration. And I got all of that. I want to give a big shout out to Sarah Erickson. Thank you, Sarah. It was a wonderful collaboration. I love the ideas that we were going back and forth and you were so open to change up so many different things and so giving of your time and so upbeat and open. So I had the experience that I really wanted to have in creating this new cover art. So Sarah is located in West Peoria, Illinois. She is a body worker and she is also open to do custom art for people. So if you want to get a hold of Sarah, you can contact her through her website, sarahericson.com. And I want to tell you through my new 
coaching practice, way beyond coaching and consulting. I will be doing two different coaching groups starting in October. One group will be for individuals and another group will be for couples. The individual group will be focused on creating healthy boundaries and expressing needs. The sessions will be live. There will be two-hour sessions. I will be doing two sessions a month for three months for a total of six sessions. And the couples group will also start in October. And that focus is going to be on moving through conflict and creating connection. Also, two live-hour group sessions, two a month. So that would be a total of six sessions also. These are new introductory groups that I'm starting, so I'm giving over a 30% discount for the participants, and I'm looking to fill between six and 10 participants. So if you want to know more, go ahead and check it out on my website, prepo.com, under the coaching page. I hope you all are enjoying your summer, getting together with people, hugging and enjoying, sharing joys, sharing memories, because isn't that what our lives are? Just a collection of memories, and I hope you make a lot of beautiful ones. I am. I'm having my sweet boy, my son is here for the summer, and then we're going to go over to Europe and see my wife's family and my daughter in love. So I am going to be making some sweet, sweet memories. And I'm sending you all my love and hoping that you're making yourselves a beautiful day. All right, here we go. My conversation with Corey, the shame cycle. Let's talk about it. All right, here we go again. Prepo. My man, Corey, where you been? I have been, I've been, I went to New York City. I drove my 17-year-old daughter up to uh, a theater camp that was happening in New Jersey. It's run by all professionals and it's like, it's like up-leveling her, mm. her, her desire to be on Broadway and to be acting and singing and dancing. It was an amazing, amazing trip. Mm. 11 hours in the car together. Oh, good yeah. daddy, daddy-daughter time. Oh, it was so sweet. Nice. Well, you're taking some time to be with me instead of being with the fam, so I appreciate that. Absolutely. Mm. You know how much I appreciate our time together. And No, man, I don't. Just keep telling me that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. I know. I um, Sacred time. I love doing this with you and then grabbing a bite and seeing what's going on in each other's lives, so we're going to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a real, it's a real special, special part of my month. We've been averaging about one a month or every. Yeah, six but we slacked up. I, I think it's been two. It's been before I went to Florida. I think so. Like that's been like May. Yeah, that's at right. end of April. Yeah. You know, our times together is so powerful for me that that it's it's almost like timeless. Like mm -hmm. it almost felt like it happened yesterday. Mm -hmm. But I remember that night. That was a really yeah, amazing night. Yeah, we had a fun night. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, when we hang out, I mean, we talk about a lot of things when we hang out. We're all over the map, and I find those those hangs really supportive. Yeah, me too. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation because I want to get your insight. You're, um, you're such a specialist with trauma and with addiction, 
and shame has a lot to do with it. And there's um, aspects of how anger and shame work together and disguise with addiction. But I just thought we would kind of like um, start off with what is shame to you? Like when, when you think about the difference between maybe feeling shame or feeling guilt or how, how does shame show up um, for you in your life? Well, I like to think of shame as like an inward contraction and like a, if you think of like I'm making this this gesture right now where like I'm collapsing my chest and my head is down and it's like the message that I suck, the message that I can't do anything right, the message that um, I'm not worthy. Like that's that's kind of the, the subconscious energetic pattern of shame is a sense of unworthiness. And I think it starts in early childhood and it's uh, a devastating pattern for relationships. Yeah. And why do you think it starts in early childhood? Because it's taught, right? Isn't it taught? I mean, people feel shame because they are shamed, <laughs> you know, by parents of, um, you know, the examples that we were talking about before. You know, give the, it, let, let's talk about that. Yeah, I mean, typically, right, we don't come out of the womb, you know, feeling shame. You know, we come like a blank slate, ready to absorb whatever, whatever comes comes into our field. And, you know, if if parents have had been parented with criticism and with a shaming attitude, with like, oh, if I don't point out what my kid is doing wrong, they're not gonna do it right. Yeah. And if I don't point out what my kids are doing wrong, then I'm a bad parent and I'm gonna feel shame. Right. Because my kids are acting up or are not acting right. They're acting like a fool. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You know, so when that happens, it just sets up the nervous system, sets up the neural pathways uh, to to feel shame, to feel unworthy and uh, to not feel worthy of love. You know, a lot of shame happens when a parent withholds love, you know, and, and like kids are just, they're meaning makers. Like they see everything and they feel everything. And, you know, it's a, the world revolves around that kid when they're in that early developmental stage. Right. Right. And if they're being shamed, if they're being criticized, if they're, if they're, being parented in a way that does not foster connection and love and understanding right. and compassion and you know ability to make mistakes and all that, then we start internalizing those and the, messages. And the typical thing, you know, of, of you know, parents that aren't being conscious in that way of like we hear that bad boy, bad girl, automatically we're shaming the 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 whole personhood as opposed to Hey, you just spilled that when I told you to put it over on the yeah. on the dresser. Yeah. Can you put more attention on it? You know, yeah. it's not about the behavior. Usually the shaming is about the the personhood, the character, who they are at the essence. And people's essential worth gets eroded with shame. Right. Like let's just say a kid leaves the toys out all over the place and and you know, the parent is like, Oh, you did it again. You don't listen. You never listen. Yep. You know, things, so that, things like that. So then hence we grow up and now we're in relationships, adult relationships. And when our wives or something said, hey, your socks are on the floor. And it's like, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? And, and yeah. the anger comes out instead of feeling the shame of like, ah, 
I didn't do it right, you know, because that's the message. I'm not, I didn't do it right. I didn't do it enough. I'm not the perfect guy. You're always on me because I'm not doing things right. Instead of taking ownership of like, yeah, my socks are on the floor. I left on the floor. Sorry. You know, growing up and not getting angry because underneath we're feeling the shame. And if somebody leads an unexamined life where, where they don't stop to make these connections, they might not even realize it might still be in the subconscious that it's connected to when they left their toys out when they were three, four, five years old. And I know I, I still have some of that that I do. Um, there's times when Rainbow asked me, you know, hey, did you, uh, did you empty out the dishwasher? And I'm thinking, well, what do you mean that I empty out the dishwasher? Uh, was I supposed to empty out the dishwasher? Did it just get finished instead of, and she just looks at me and she said, I just asked you a question. Instead of me feeling like this, oh, I didn't do it right, or I should have done it, yeah. uh, that I'm not, I'm not just being this perfected husband that she, that I think that she wants. But underneath is my own feeling of inadequacy, my own feeling at that moment that's triggered from when I was perhaps shamed when I was earlier. It doesn't happen often, but those when I know that I'm reacting, and I would put out to everybody, when you know that you're reacting in a unforeseen or purposeful criticism and you're coming out and lashing out in anger underneath it there could be this vow mask of feeling shame and what's the antidote to that yeah the antidote to that is and also here's a follow-up question so what's the antidote to that and also how how can i recognize that in myself how can i live an examined life so that when i get triggered when the shame comes up or when the anger comes up that I can make those connections. I, I could realize it. Yeah. I know for me is when I am like being defensive and I can, I know when I'm being defensive. Well, I should say that I know when I realize I'm being defensive, that I'm being defensive. Sometimes when I'm in it, I think I'm justified. So for me, that's one recognition. If I'm defending myself and also coming back hard or even well, you don't always empty out the dishwasher yourself. When I throw that back, I know that that's an area that uh, I got to be aware and look what's underneath it. What am I feeling inadequate about? It's probably shame. And what am I feeling about that? And to me, the antidote is, is sounds so simplistic, but it's one of the hardest things a human being can do is the aspect of self-compassion and self-love and walk the ladder inside our inner critic to be the loving parent to say to myself, man, I'm a good partner. I'm a good person. I, I, I take out the dishes most of the time. Okay, I missed it, you know, today. And to just work that ladder up to give myself the aspect of, of, of acceptance, even when I make mistakes, that part of just my humanness. To me, it's the humility of being um, human, the humbleness, not the humiliation part of it. It's more about the humbleness of like, yep, I missed that. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful cognitive or kind of thinking uh, way to, uh, you know, to feel into that and and to move past those 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 patterns and and examine my life, you know, from a somatic or a body oriented perspective, you know, because that's the way I've been trained. Um, just recognizing what it feels like. What the anger feels like in my body, tightness in the chest, mm -hmm. heat, you know, uh, fingers curling, uh, lips clenched. tightening, clenched jaw, 
and feeling that. And that's the biomarker. Like, ooh, something's triggered here. Something's going on. Let me get in connection with myself right now. Let me just feel what's going on in my own body. Let me just take a pause. Let me take a few breaths. Let me put a hand on my belly. Let me put a hand on my chest. That's self-compassion. That's self-love when, when we're doing that right Exactly. There. Yeah. Exactly. And then if I can set that up with my, with my partner, which, you know, I do. I mean, this is what my wife and I do, you know, with one another. We support each other in those, in those times, those pauses, and we support one another to really examine ourselves and we talk about this stuff. You know, we also go to weekly couples counseling, you know, which has been a game changer for us for eight or nine years. I mean, gosh, I wouldn't miss it for anything. I mean, it's, it's amazing. But anyway, even without that, you know, with one another, when we do that with one another, we're supporting, we're, we're supporting each other to examine ourselves and not just to project or to, you know, move the responsibility onto the other person. And we'll, we'll really encourage each other to do that. Hey, feel into that right now. Just, let's just give a pause right there. Hmm. How do you support each other with if the other person is not recognizing that maybe their reaction was around shame? You know, like I want to you know, uh, tell you about a, a friend of mine that that he told me a while ago that he was really upset that his wife was driving really fast up this hill by their house. And he kind of went off on her and she really felt attacked and criticized and and she wanted the benefit of the doubt that she doesn't do it all the time, but he was irate. And he told me, he's like, I, I'm the one that tells everybody in the block to slow down. I'm the one that's waving around. I'm like, ah, so you're feeling that it's almost like you were doing what she's doing because you guys are connected. You're a family that maybe other people on the block, when they see your wife speeding down that up that hill, they're going to blame and think you. So you're feeling kind of shame about that yourself. And he's like, wow, I didn't, I didn't really think about that. And because he was lashing out in her in anger, but he didn't feel his own connection to that, perhaps humiliation. So would you say that they were, they were enmeshed, that they weren't yeah. differentiated? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I asked him straight out, like, was he really upset about, you know, that she was maybe going to hurt somebody? And he said that was in the periphery, but more he was just upset at her for not, not doing what he told her to do just like he's telling everybody else and the expectation uh, in the uh, in the neighborhood to slow down. So, so yeah. He was say, so he was experiencing like a form of suffering, right? I mean, he was probably locked up tight, angry. Yeah. You know, his heart rate is going all over the place. You know, that's not healthy. He was, he was, so he was experiencing a form of suffering because she wasn't meeting his expectation. Right. So to go back, how, how do you and Robin support that do you recognize when the other one is maybe feeling shame do you bring that to their attention what do you do you know it's situational um what happened recently i'm really into this book right now autobiography of a yogi yeah um i read it a while ago i can't remember. Yeah. yeah oh gosh it's such an amazing book it's a game changer it's like um anxiety medication for me right now that book so, you know, I was going off because um, Sunday morning, Sunday morning hits and like we try to make Sundays sacred and not, not do business on, on Sundays. So for those of you who don't know, my wife, Robin and I, we own, we own a business together um, and we have two children together and we have farm animals and, you know, we have a lot going on in our, in our, in our lives. And um, 
So Sundays is sacred. So I wake up and I get this alert from the American Express card and I check it on my phone. We're like having our coffee. I check it on my phone and I'm like, oh, my, my app on my phone. I just got a new phone. So I need to upload upload the password to my app for, for American Express. P.S. It turns, turns into about an hour and a half of having to figure out how to access on your sacred on my Sunday. sacred Sunday. Damn. And not only was it an hour and a half, but it was mind numbing. It was customer service reps. It was deleting and reinstalling the app. It was trying to get the the administrative manager account for the business basically on my on my cell phone. And I was working myself up so much. I got a blazing headache. And, you know, she just walked away and did, and did her own thing. And, and, you know, after the first 45 minutes, like I couldn't go backwards. I couldn't let it go, you know, cause I would have lost the 45 minutes of work to try to get that onto my phone. And then like, finally I get off the phone. It's still not figured out. And she just walks over and she hands me the book, you know, autobiography of a yogi, the book that's been, that's been really helping me deal with a lot of stress lately. Um, I find I just find a lot of solace um, and calm in uh, spiritual in spirituality right now in my life. I'm really using it as a tool to connect into what's really important, rather than the business stress that's that's going on right now with our expansion. So she just literally she just handed the book to me and then just walked away, and it was a beautiful little reminder. It was so sweet. Like instantly, I just looked at the cover of the book and I was like, ah, that's right, hmm. right now. And I realized that that last hour and 15 minutes totally disconnected me from myself, from my family, from my wife. And that's not, that's not who I want to be. That's not how I want to be. So in that moment, we support, she supported me in remembering that. Mm. And I'll tell you, next Sunday, I'm going to double down on my sacred Sunday. Nice. Yeah. So, so I gave myself a headache. I mean, it took about three hours for me to, you know, not have that headache and for me not to, not to, not to be angry and, um, you know, come down from that. You know, all the cortisol and, 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 and all the biochemicals of anger and, frustration going going through my body did you feel like like your sense of self and self-worth was going down well you know now that you say that there was a little bit of shame in there also because you know we've spoken about this so often my wife and i you know sundays is sacred you know and and it was just one little check of the phone that led to something else to something else to something else you didn't make it sacred right no, I didn't. Mm. I didn't. And I'm, maybe I'm not a good husband. Maybe any of that going. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So when you said that, like you lost a sense of yourself, that's part of like the the primal reactions of a flight of that aspect of leaving ourselves. There's fight, flight, and freeze, where you know an aspect of fight response would be lashing out in anger, and then if you lash out to yourself inward. That's an aspect of flight. We leave ourselves. And then if we avoid, then that's like freezing. So in some part, you did the flight part to yourself. That's right. Yeah. That's right. How did you how did you work that ladder back? I ate some food. Yeah. 
There yeah. you go. That's good. Mm -hmm. I ate a nourishing breakfast, right. farm fresh eggs, gluten-free English muffin, some salmon, um, fresh oregano from our garden. So you're starting to feel better, more compassion for yourself. Yeah. Be kind. I nourished myself. Mm -hmm. um, what else did I do? I did a meditation sit. Did you apologize to her? I imagine I did. <laughs> I imagine I did. Yeah. You know you had to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I definitely took some time to decompress, mm. you know, because because those triggers, that that anger, you know, the the bio the biochemicals that get dumped from the from the hypothalamus and pituitary glands when we feel anger. Uh, stay in our bloodstream, and it takes it takes a little while for them to for them to clear out. So I went upstairs. I sat on the cushion for fifteen or twenty minutes. Yeah. How does how does shame and you know that part that we don't feel enough that we're that we're not good enough? How does that lay in with perfectionism to you? Do you have any of that showing up? Yeah, I absolutely have that have that showing up, especially especially in the service business that we're in. So we so we own a wellness spa, and um, you know it's very important for me when I'm working with somebody. It's very important for me as part of my identity for them to have a good experience, whether I'm doing massage or whether I'm doing counseling. Um, or if someone's in our in our uh, float tank, or you know, just at our business, getting massage from from our other from our other employees, it's really important for people to have a good experience. So much so that I base some of my self worth on that. And you know, I think that's from early patterning. You know, growing up as the uh, first generation Italian American son of immigrants that worked really hard to have a better life for their kids. And, and, you know, I've internalized a lot of that working really hard mm. ethic. And, you know, sometimes, you know, when I look at those TripAdvisor reviews, if, if there's anything but a five-star review that comes in, it'll stick with me all day long, you know, and, and, and I'll feel the lump in my throat. I'll feel the, I'll feel uh, the stomach drop, you know, and, and really in my subconscious, I'm going to die. The business is going to fail. You know, and and that's a pattern that I'm really trying to trying to um break out of. But man, my body sometimes just doesn't let me do that. How did you I, we I think we discussed it real briefly. Um but we'll be uh we'll take the risk and be vulnerable here. I, I don't know. Wait, my, we will. Yeah, we will. Uh, right? Uh, we will, won't we? <laughs> Have I yeah. never not been? You always meet me. You do I, remember the pig pissing in my kitchen story. I do. Right? But I'm gonna tell yeah, I'm gonna tell another one that that you'll relate to. Um some months ago when we were gonna do a podcast and um at the last minute you couldn't do it and, and you canceled. And I was like counting on you because I had a deadline, but I didn't tell you that. I didn't tell it like, fuck man, I got a deadline like tomorrow, like I gotta do this podcast. I didn't tell you that. Um, and my reaction to it was, I, I got flustered when 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 he told me like, oh, all right, man, you know what? All right, fine, you can't do it. I got to go because now I got to do it. Go do a solo cast. And as I was doing, and as I was saying this, I was feeling like, am I? I'm shaming Corey in some way. Like, you know, 
I was I was frustrated, angry, but underneath it, like was there a part of me that was blaming you instead of like, my man wants to come, but he can't come. He would come if he could come. I didn't I wasn't rational in that. You know, I went into I went into the flight and I went into to all of it. Uh, fight with a little bit of the the lashing out and then kind of avoiding talking because I needed to gather my own thoughts of what I was going to do I froze but how did you because we I you apologized you felt really bad and then I I accepted apology and then I took ownership of telling you um you know that I gave you energy and I didn't tell you about I was extra stressed because of the deadline we worked it out, but I'm curious of, did you feel any shame in that? And did you work yourself out of, like, damn, man, I disappointed Prepo. And, hmm. I did absolutely feel bad that, um, that I couldn't make it and that as a result of me not being able to make it, you had to shift gears and it caused you stress. Hmm. And because I love you, my man, you know, I, I felt bad for, you know, for my circumstance leading to causing you extra stress. So was that guilt or was that shame to you? Like, was that just about, man, I, my behavior, you know, something I made a decision caused me stress as opposed to I'm a bad friend? I don't, I don't, I don't think I felt like I'm a bad friend because I trusted in the foundation of that friendship mm. that you would be honest with me and and that and that we would work it out. I trusted in that. So it for for me it didn't end and I was also, you know, being honest. It wasn't like, oh, I'm just like, you know, choosing to do something else that's right. like, you know, going to be more enjoyable. Than, than to do the podcast with you, you know, right. it, it was something that like I really, I really needed to, I really needed to cancel, you know. So I felt clear, you know. Um, I just, I just more, more felt bad that that now you were having to go through the stress mm -hmm. of having to. Of so having then that was a healthy out. guilt. That yeah, I feel like right. yeah, yeah, I feel like it was. It it's was a good example of healthy guilt versus shame. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. And I think I felt healthy. I think I felt some, a mixture. I didn't feel like I was a bad friend. I, I, I felt like I just didn't handle my, my reaction well at that time. But I caught it fast. I think I caught it pretty fast and recognized it, apologized that I gave you that energy. So I also felt like I springboard off of guilt instead of shame. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I don't even know if that guilt was so healthy. So maybe it was a little bit of shame because I'm remembering back now, it was a pit in my stomach. And, ooh, this is juicy. Yeah, it was a pit in the stomach and behind that was, was am I gonna piss Prepo off? Is he gonna not be, not want to be friends with me Refer anymore? all those clients that he refers to me all the time. <laughs> Well, that's definitely a win-win for sure. Win-win-win <laughs> for everybody. That's right. But um, no, it was more of like a like like a younger like. Oh, is people mm. is people gonna withhold his friendship? From ah, me now? yeah, yeah. That's what was going on for me, and it was it the was fear of abandonment. The, the fear, fear of yeah, that's right. The fear of pissing you off. The fear of of um, yeah, like 
you're not going to, you know, invite me to be a guest on the podcast again. And, and, you know, so I did, I did feel a little bit of that. What do you call that shame? Do you call that guilt? I mean, I don't think that that's healthy. I think it's, you know, I think when it's healthy is when the behavior shifts, like it's a, it's a alarm that just shifts the perspective and, and behavior. So it's a good sign in some way. If it's repetitive, I mean, you recognize that it was an old pattern, that's positive, that's healthy in some way, that it was an old pattern from childhood probably of feeling that abandonment. And I think also there was a time frame, like I probably let you stew in it for some hours too, you know, so so that you felt it, but... Um, Purposely? Nah. Sick fuck? <laughs> 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 nah, I would do that to you, man. No, because I want to make sure that you weren't too pissed off so you'd still buy me dinners. Uh, yeah. God, yeah. God. But I think it shows up, you know, again, people in, in intimate partnership and, and marriages and relationships, they do that to each other a lot. That part of, wow, I just really disappointed you. Are you going to withhold sex? Right. Are you going to withhold love? Right. Are you going to abandon me and not talk? Because that, that happens... A lot of couples are, you know, they're avoiding couples. You either fight or they don't talk. Mm -hmm. And does that mean now you're not going to talk to me for two days? Mm -hmm. And yeah. yeah, that's a dangerous dynamic to get into. It, it it leads to disconnection and just really doesn't feel good at all. That that avoidant behavior, the silent treatment. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll tell you, the repair that you did was really meaningful, and um, deepened our friendship. You know, mm. and it also it also gave me permission to you know make mistakes again. Mm -hmm. When I say mistake, I mean you know me taking care of myself the way I needed to and canceling at the last minute. I mean it's that wasn't a mistake, but it was a miss in terms of it didn't go as planned. You know, and sometimes that happens in friendships, and healthy friendships just need to be able and and relationships need to be able to weather that weather that storm and have it be okay yeah. for that to happen. I think that part where you just have like, there's a part of like accepting in that moment, this flash comes to me and I think I told the story on our podcast, but I'll say it again. One of the big part things I can flash back about feeling shame was in baseball. I was a sophomore in, um, uh, in college at Michigan State. We were playing down in Texas and my one of my best friends on the team was pitching. Ground ball hit to me, man out first. Easy, easy play that I made tens of thousands of times to get a double play. I threw it over the second baseman's head, threw it into right field, two run score. And I, I see my friend's face and he's like, oh. I look around, you know, other people, right, are looking at me, shaking their head. And so now I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling humiliated in front of, you know, thousand people, thousands of people and, and, uh, feeling bad about myself. And, and I, I, I was so flustered that when I went up to bat, I mistakenly, I got on base and I mistakenly got tagged out because I, I just wasn't present. I didn't, I didn't uh, tag up correctly. And then now more people are looking at me and, and I felt the shame eyes, the coach didn't say anything, shunned me. And I remember getting angry, you know, getting angry, throwing something in the dugout. People weren't talking to me, so I was shunned, you know, in that way. Nobody's like, shake it off, man. Shake it off, motherfuckers. You should have said that. But if you were a good teammate, you would have told me to just mm -hmm. shake it off. And 
it just it just stays with me. It stayed with me for years. And I had this realization of like, I fucking overthrew the second baseman. That's what I did. Can I accept that? Can I accept that? Yeah. Okay, we lost the game. Was it because of that? But can I accept that? You know, the acceptance of I didn't make a purposeful error, but it was it was publicly uh, shamed. And that was a big thing instead of one person or be behind the, the scenes. And that's why it stayed with me for, for many, many years. What do you notice happening right now in your body as you tell me this? Well, as, as I'm feeling it, like the realization of like, you know, when I looked at you, I went, I just overthrew the second baseman, man. Like that, in the scheme of things, <laughs> is that's not a really big deal to feel shame yeah. in some way. And um, so I'm feeling in my body, feeling some like relief in that way. Um, but I'm also feeling when I first started telling the story, I was starting to relive it a little bit. Yeah. And I started feeling, you know, the feelings of feeling shame. My eyes even was, right. you know, squinting and so, telling you that. So just talking about an event that happened in the past brought up present moment feelings of shame yeah. in, how, in your body. How that stays with us. Something way That's back right. can stay right. with us. Bessel van der Kolk wrote a great book called The Body Keeps the Score which uh, if anyone's interested, it's an amazing book that's all about that. It'll just it'll blow your mind away if you haven't really dove into the body psychology literature that's out there. Mm. So working, wor working with that past, like that's past shame and it shows up presently, whether I tell it or maybe it will show up in some other form because I haven't purged in some way or accepted it or uh, integrated it. Yeah, sat with it. Integrated that, it. Yeah, you know, that's the other thing that that there was a time where instead of getting, you know, upset and really feeling shame, there was a time that I cried and thinking about it. This was maybe about three or four years ago. Oh. And so I, I allowed myself to grieve. Yeah. You know, that that I had that experience because I got benched like some games after that too, mm. you know. And so I got punished. And it was like this feeling of sadness, like I just made a mistake, you know. Yeah. And um, and then the thing of of the grieving of what that turned into. That whole year was a challenging year for me in baseball, and and grieving. It was a loss. It was it was also a loss at that moment of damn man, like I'm a star shortstop. It was a know? loss of ego. It was, it a, was loss a loss of, of identity. Right. Right. Shame will do that. And then what happens is we split that off. And then sometimes some folks will then, in order to deal with that, because it's very painful to, to, to start splitting your ego like, like that, right? If you don't have the skills to do what you just did a minute ago and saying, you know, it was just throwing the ball over, over his head. It was just a mistake. If you don't have that skill or you haven't developed that yet, then what happens is you split, you split your ego, and then in order to appease your ego, in order to like put the salve on that, a lot of people will, will look to external things. They'll look to their partner or their their um, you know alcohol, their coping behaviors, drugs, you know, to the television or sex or, or you know any to cover up the shame work to to cover up the shame and to and to feel to feel a sense of normalcy. Mm. A lot of people do that. Yeah. And that normalcy, what is that? Just more of a, a the dopamine pleasure hit? Yes, that, that's right. 
that enables us to get out of that feeling of shame. That's right. We get that dopamine hit. Yeah. And the problem is then like deep, deep down inside, it's still a disintegration of the ego. So, you know, doing what you just did, you know, what, you know, when you said like feeling integrated, you know, I feel more integrated when I talk about it. That's where body psychology, body, you know, body work, somatic psychology um, comes in. It's like, it slows things down. So, you know, when I'm working with, with folks or even myself, you know, if I have a memory and I, I start getting like, you know, the body keeps a score. So then like, you know, the pit in the stomach comes as I, as I remember, you know, something, um, you know, in the past. And then if I stay with that, if I just hold a hand on the belly or the chest, if I breathe into it rather than run away from it, that's how I start to integrate it into my life. And then that's how I start to start to let go of the past and live more fully in the present. And that integration is, a, is an acceptance of self. That's right. Right. So you're bringing back that split. Then instead of splitting yourself, you're integrating and accepting all of you, all of your fuck-ups, yeah. all of your triumphs, all yeah. of your humanness. Yeah. And then when that happens, once I'm feeling integrated and whole, then I feel more present. And then I feel more connected. And then, you know, I have access to intuition. I have access to like, you know, like, watching my partner's body language or someone else's body language. So then I, I become a better listener because I'm more present. And then it just feeds itself. And then life just becomes better and better and better. Colors become brighter. Uh, sounds become more pleasant. I'm not locked in a, in, a, in, a, in a cycle of disintegration and anger and shame and like all that. So I'm not split off where like one day I could be in a good mood. The next day something can happen. I'm in a bad mood. It's like, much more grounded. So I'm, I'm curious when you would talk about that with addiction, is there also this loop that then with using to get out of the feeling of discomfort of feeling shame, then you feel this hit of dopamine, this kind of euphoria or, or relief, but then isn't there a cycle then of feeling shame for using and using the alcohol and getting drunk and or the drugs or, or working too much. And yeah, because th think about it practically, our body has to process the poison, right? Anything can be can be medicine or poison, you know? If you have a half a glass of wine with dinner, you know, that that can be medicinal for somebody. But if you have two, three, four glasses of wine, a bottle of wine with dinner, you know, now you wake up the next morning and your liver has done a lot of work in order to process that alcohol. So you wake up and you're all foggy and and you don't have that energy that you need to play with your kids or to make dinner for your sweetheart, uh, uh, breakfast for your sweetheart, you know, or exercise, you know, and and practically speaking, you know, using those coping behaviors to to feel a sense of integration is really dangerous because it's like a snowball snowball effect that takes us out of connection and it just wastes a lot of energy. And the next thing you know, you're 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 acting inappropriately. Yeah, and also feeling the shame just because you let others down, or maybe you let yourself down because you said you weren't going to drink that night and things like that. So that also the expectation yeah. of that. I mean, that big shame cycle with people that abuse porn, that feeling of you know feeling so guilty afterwards. Totally, you know, totally. That, yeah, they abuse porn and then go and and you know fall asleep next to their wife and. um and then rather than, you know, look 
look to you know the pleasure of sleeping with with my arm around my wife and just breathing together and just you know having a nice connection you know i'm i i just pass out because you know i just got my needs met my intimacy needs met with myself watching you know someone that i don't know on a screen right and then that shame cycle of i'm not connecting i'm not being a good partner yeah. i know my partner doesn't want me to do this and i do do i right and and, and shame hides in secrecy too right when when we're holding a secret that's usually the feeling of shame. If we if the secret is found out, we'll feel shame. So that's why secrecy and shame go hand in hand in many oh, ways. Yeah, it's devastating, man. It's devastating. I'll do some self-disclosure here. I, I've had a relationship in the past, you know, when I was much, much, much younger, like, you know, one of my first, first uh, loving relationships. And, you know, I, I felt the wandering eye. I started cheating. And then as a result, what I was doing was uh, when I was with her, I would I would feel so much shame that I would and, and and I split myself, I split my ego that you know the part of me that was feeling guilt and feeling and feeling shame wouldn't hold boundaries with her. So I almost felt like I didn't deserve her love. I didn't deserve her affection, but there was part of me that really wanted it and needed it and I mean, gosh, I resorted to like a child and, you know, basically I had no communication skills. I had no insight skills. I didn't see this at all. I didn't see and accept my responsibility. I was just blaming her for not like giving me the intimacy, but really I didn't think that I deserved the intimacy. So I wasn't holding any bound, like realistic and appropriate boundaries with her. So if she would say something that normally, you know, or do something that normally I would say, Hey, you know, you know, that doesn't feel good, you know, uh, you know, like, this is what I really want. Like, I would just, I mean, literally, I became a shell, I became an empty shell. And, you know, that just eroded the relationship. And then she wound up cheating on me. And so there was appeasing, know. right? That was part of what you said earlier that, that appeasing is part of also uh, a behavior of shame. So you were kind of appeasing her at times when you would let, give her slack. Exactly, when, that's right. When I don't you, think I said it on the podcast. I think I said it uh, yeah, in our conversation before, beforehand. Yeah. But yeah, so there's f fight, flight, uh, freeze, and appease. It's you know survival adaptations when we feel like we're under threat. Right. So I was appeasing her, exactly. Right, we're people pleasers when we feel like we're gonna be ostracized yeah. and yeah, abandoned from the tribe. And it was the it was the it was the death of the relationship, mm. you know. And it and I can trace it right back to 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 infidelity and me cheating. I mean, the good thing is that you know, I will never ever uh, practice infidelity in my marriage. I will never because I see the devastating effects of it. Yeah, how it how it just splits the ego, and then it, and then and then it's 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 a quagmire so of shame and guilt. So there's that part of where it could be healthy in some way, even though it, it was devastating, it's healthy that you change that behavior and you are convicted and committed to not having that experience in your life because you experienced the hurt and witnessed the hurt. So that's right. I think that that's when it's, when it's, when it's a good thing. You know, we have to, if we learn from those devastation experiences, they're not devastation experiences, they're in some way gifts. That's it, right. that's it. Yeah. And it takes a lot of courage and it takes modeling to right. learn from those right. experiences. Yeah, you know, I've got some 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 clients, um, you know, that 
have in the past, you know, really had a hard time when it when it when it comes to that and and are are so split, are so disintegrated in their in their ego that that um you know, one of them's uh husband cheated on her and she and she threatened suicide. You know, but she was cheating on him also. You know, but she she couldn't she couldn't um she couldn't learn from the experience, you know? It was it was it was horrible. It was it was really dangerous and scary for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm well I'm glad that you learned from that experience. Yeah. So yeah. you're not, you know, having that as a, a story in your life because man, betrayal and infidelity, it's a it's a deep, deep wound, you know, and I know people go through it and they experience it, they regret it, they're receivers or perpetrators of that, but you know, if everybody can really, really understand, like that's a deep betrayal that is, uh, is, is a hard wound to heal. Yeah. You know, I think the first step is, is naming the commitment in a relationship, right? Like, okay, I'm committed to a monogamous relationship, you know, or I'm committed to a non-monogamous relationship with, with these conditions, you know, a sort of contract, you know, where, where you're naming, naming the boundaries and, you know, and then, and then following them. And then if, if I'm feeling like, like my eye is wandering or my behaviors, you know, are outside of the relationship expectations, then I think it's very important to have the courage to talk about that. Well, that's it. What you talk about is also like personal integrity in that. Like you have the own, your own personal integrity to know if you're going to be out of bounds to own it. Yeah. Or, cause I think, you know, making agreements, the big one is making the agreement to yourself that you, you, you want to be this kind of person, this kind of partner, yeah. as opposed to that we make a commitment to our partner that we're not going to cheat. It's like more making a commitment to ourselves right. that we're not going to do it. Cause I don't want to taste that, part of myself that's not aligned in that integrity. What would that sound like in a session with maybe one of your one of your uh, couple clients? What would it sound like? Like what would it sound like if one one of the partners were thinking about about cheating and well, I would and just, they and they had the courage to actually say that before they cheated. Well, I would say that is a way better uh avenue to take than to have to apologize for cheating. So it's still going to stir uncomfortable feelings that other partners may not go, oh, thank you so much for telling me that they might be upset. They may feel not appreciated and not desired, but it's it's much better that they know that their partner is checking themselves in some way and that they're actually being transparent. Because I hear many partners afterwards is, I'd rather... I'd rather you tell me that you're struggling with porn or that you're struggling with cheating before you cheat so that I know and we can work through it and talk about it instead of that you're kind of just disguising it and just saying like, no, I'm fine. Everything's fine. I, I can handle it. So I I work with the couples to really appreciate that, that authenticity and that transparency. And, um, you know, people want the truth, but sometimes they're, they're like, you know, 
do you really want the truth? Because you know you're getting really upset right now, and and uh, you got to be able to, to to receive the truth if you really want it. So I think it's working with people to recognize that that's a courageous thing for somebody to speak to it before. Do you think that, and have you experienced, you know, in a perfect world, if my wife were to say that to me, my response would be, okay, what's behind that? Like what needs are not getting met Mm-hmm. For you to have the thoughts that, or the fantasies that that you could look outside the relationship for that. Yeah, that can open up a a, a beautiful turn of, of transparency and honesty between couples when you ask that question. Like, and it could lead to deeper, deeper, more meaningful relationships. Exactly right. Exactly because we need to talk about. Um, when when our needs aren't aren't being met, and to to express it in a way that brings the person towards us, instead of pushing them away. Yeah. And if we acted upon, let's say that person acted upon the infidelity, they're pushing that other person away instead of bringing them forward. Because infidelity, that's a slap in the face about um, my actions to say my needs aren't being met, instead of being able to bring you towards me in empathy and understanding or curiosity. Um, and let's figure this out together. So, yeah, man, that's we went all over there. I like that. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So I really look forward to the rest of our night together, just walking around beautiful downtown Asheville. And we're gonna hang with my boy Z, my uh, boy Xander's in town. Yeah. So you're gonna get to see him. It's been a, a while, and appreciate. I'm that. excited about that. Yeah. All right, brother. Well, I'm glad you made it. Thank you for yeah. another beautiful conversation around yeah. uh, what we do and what we love to uh, t- to understand and share yeah our experiences yeah thank you so much prepo for having me on the podcast and whoever's uh, listening thank you so much for for getting it and for for hanging hanging with us mm-hmm. yeah all right thanks bro all right man Relationships, Let's Talk About It, is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more about licensed counselor Prepo Teplitsky, visit prepo.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling or therapy, medical advice, diagnosis or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice.